Hello and welcome to What's Out There, an occasional series of podcasts covering some very strange little subjects. It all depends what happens to be in my mind at the time. Well, this time around, I'm talking about tradition. And here's something I think we may all have done in the past. So, without further ado, let's tell a tale or two. Picture the scene, if you will. We've had a roast chicken for Sunday lunch. I must mention before we get going, if you're vegetarian or vegan, this episode does feature dead meat and murdering animals. So, be warned. Maria, my lovely wife, is busy picking up the remains of the meat to use in another meal. She pulls out the wishbone and holding it out, she turns to me and says, let's see who gets to make a wish. This gesture brings back memories to when I was a kid and the fights that ensued when this tradition was enacted with my brothers and having two older brothers, they would often come out the winners. Of course, on this occasion, I lose again. Maria gets the bigger bit and gets to make the wish and have the good fortune. I'm standing there, looking at this broken chicken bone and thinking, hmm, I wonder where that tradition came from. And as you know, me thinking is a dangerous thing. And it's not long before I decide to dig up the details and share this incredibly important information with you all. So, let's go back way back in time to around 650 BC or BCE depending on which way you want to look at it we find ourselves in Etruria a region of Italy that was home to the Etruscan civilization in the shade beneath some trees an auger has scratched a circle on the ground it's divided into sections and each section has a letter of the Etruscan alphabet marked in it a white rooster is pecking at pieces of corn that have been scattered across the circle. Seated nearby, the auger is making a note of the letters where the rooster pecks to see what predictions will be made. Now what he is doing is a form of the ancient divining art of, and excuse my pronunciation, I think I'm going to say it right, electriomancy, using birds to divine the future. This form of divination is related to Ouija by the random selection of letters, to gyromancy by the random selection of letters from a circle around the diviner himself, and to orniscopy, divination by the movement of birds. There's three sort of big words there, but I think you understand them. Uh, Ouija, you all know because you've seen the boards and you've seen them in action. Gyromancy is a form of divination where you put out a circle of letters and you spin round and round and round, and where you fall, it looks great, isn't it? Where you fall is the letter that you use. Or something like that, anyway. And ornoscopy, well, that covers all sorts of bird-related things. You can see where the birds are in the sky to where it's going to be a good fortune or not. In this case, they're using the chicken to actually pick out the letters that they write on a sheet. Or, sorry, wouldn't have had a sheet, probably on a clay tablet. And then they'd actually do the divination and tell the fortune from that, or to see whether or not the omens were good or bad. I think I explained it. <laughs> I hope you've got that, because it's all very complicated. Whenever the Etruscans slaughter a chicken, they would leave the furcula in the sun to dry out, preserving it in the hopes of gaining some of its divining powers. 
Villagers would then pick up the bone and gently stroke it while making a wish, giving it its more common name of the wishbone. Why they use the furcular or wishbone specifically and not say the femur or the ulna is a detail that seems to be lost to history. Although there is some speculation that the sort of V shape of the bone represents the female parts and it's all to do with earth mothers and that kind of thing. But don't quote me on that. Sadly, their Romans turned out to be not so great. Because the Etruscan civilization was subjugated by its more powerful neighbours, the Romans, and virtually wiped from history. However, their styles of divination lived on under the Romans, and they were taken very, very seriously indeed. As a matter of fact, in ancient Roman times, a roost of prophetic chickens was habitually consulted by the eminent statesmen on matters of the utmost importance. These sacred chickens, raised by priests called Polaris, specifically for the purpose of making auguries, were revered for the power they conferred on those who heeded the predictions about the futures that were gleaned from watching their eating behaviour. I kid you not, good people. This is incredibly serious. Nothing significant was undertaken in the Senate or the armies without omens being drawn from the sacred chickens. The most common method of drawing these omens consisted in examining the manner in which the chickens dealt with the grain that was presented to them. If they ate it avidly while stamping their feet and scattering here and there, then the augury was favourable. If they refused to eat and drink, the omen was bad, and the undertaking for which it was consulted was abandoned. When there was a need to render this sort of divination favourable, the chickens were left in a cage for a certain amount of time without eating. After that, the priests opened the cage and threw the feed to them. Kind of fixing the odds, you could say. Whilst this notion might strike you all as being almost comical, to the Romans, the sacred chickens were no laughing matter indeed. During the First Punic War, Publius Claudius Pulcher, oh, they've got such complicated names, I know I'm going to mess some of these up, but here we go turned to the sacred chickens for approval of his plan to launch a surprise attack on the Carthaginian fleet at the harbour of Drapana. When the chicken watcher notified Pulcher that they were not eating, which constituted a bad omen, he replied, Since they do not want to eat, let them drink, and he had them hurled into the sea. The naval battle which ensued saw the near annihilation of the Roman fleet. A humiliated Pulcher returned to Rome in the aftermath of the disastrous engagement, whereupon he was tried on the charge of impiety. On another occasion, the sacred chickens ran off into the woods, just as Gaius Hostilius Mancinius was preparing to consult them about his upcoming military campaign against the Numantians. The chickens were searched for high and low, but they were never found. As for Mancinius, he suffered a decisive military defeat at the hands of the Numantines and was compelled to accept the terms of their peace treaty. He returned to Rome to face a trial by the Senate. The moral of these two tales is ignore the sacred chickens at your own peril. Not only did the Romans adopt the chicken for divination, they also took on board the Etruscan tradition of making wishes on the furcular. Or the wishbone. According to legend, the Romans went from merely petting the bones to breaking them because of supply and demand. You see, 
there were never enough bones to go around for everyone to wish on. So two people would wish on the same bone and then break it to see who got the bigger piece and their wish come true. As the Roman Empire expanded, they left their cultural mark in many different places, including the British Isles. People living in England at the time, it is said, adopted the wishbone custom from the Romans too. This appears to be the more popular theory about how this tradition came about. However, the wishbone connotation itself only came into being in the 19th century. Prior to this, a wishbone was known as a merry thought or marriage bone, where the winner would be the first married. In the 17th century, the wish was made whilst balancing the bone on the nose before breaking it. In some versions, the loser got a second chance. The winner hiding the two pieces of bone in their closed fists and asking the loser to choose. If the loser chose correctly and got the longer bone, their wish would be granted instead. Surprisingly, despite the lengthy history surrounding the humble furcula, the first known use of the word wishbone wasn't until 1847 in the USA. That's according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Bartlett's Dictionary of Americanisms included the word in its third edition in 1859. It's also thought that the term lucky break might also have come from the wishbone pulling. So, let's have a look at this ceremony itself. To get the very best from your wishbone, it's important to allow it to dry out completely. The bone is quite flexible and the drying process makes it more brittle and easier to break. When the wishbone is suitably dried out, the two parties involved need to take hold, one on each side, and pull until the bone snaps. Whoever gets the biggest part wins and gets to make a wish and will be blessed with good fortune. Now, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful methods of how to gain advantage in the wishbone breaking. It's the way you hold it in your hand, the way you actually sort of pull and push on it. If you pull too much, then that weakens it and all. Oh, well, it's very, very complicated indeed. All I say is just grab hold of the damn thing and snap the bugger in half and hope that you get the bigger bit. Well, what a journey that turned out to be. And all for just one small tradition that so many of us have taken part in. And we're going to do it all again come Christmas or Thanksgiving or, hey, whenever you have turkey or chicken or a goose or any number of birds that may have a furcular or a wishbone. I love these traditions. I'm going to dig up a few more of these and share them with you. But I just happened to think of that one. I was looking at that poor chicken being picked apart, being made into chicken curry. Oh, I do love a leftover chicken curry, don't you? Until next time, thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed my little tale. And we'll catch you again next week for another What's Out There. Bye, folks. Thank you.